Yeah. Your mental matters, mental matters. Your mental matters, mental matters. Your mental matters, mental matters. Your mental matters, mental matters, yo. Your mental matters ain't a simple pattern. We need to have a central chatter. Food for thought, grab a platter. My mental ain't for rental. I'm a central man, it's simple. I'm a ripple in the rip, though. I don't wanna sink my ship, so gotta know your mental. Black life is hard, I don't resent, though. Feelings really real, we should present those. Talk about it, you should know your mental matters. Your mental matters, mental matters, yeah. Good evening, and welcome to the replay. This is Lamika with Mentally Restored, and it is Mental Health Monday. I hope everyone has had a great day. Welcome to 2020. I haven't seen you guys since last year. So hopefully this year has started out great for you. And you, we are going to get started. So the way that it works here is when you join, uh, when you enter the room, you just say, uh, what city you are tuning in from so that I can give you a proper shout out. And it looks like Great Day is here. Hello, Great Day. Welcome and hope you had a great day. Again, my name is Lamika. I am the heart behind Mentally Restored. And I am welcoming my guests, Jarrell Mitchell and Richard Winfrey from the Mental Matters Podcast. So uh, when you enter the room, you just say where you're tuning in from so I can give you a proper shout out. It looks like um, a few of my people are here. So welcome people. Um, my guests are here. So we are going to get started. So Mental Matters Podcast. Um, at the bottom of the screen, there are two smiley faces. That's how you join the broadcast. So uh, again, my name is Lamika Burnett. I am the heart behind the page of Mentally Restored. And I am so glad that you are here for this Mental Health Monday chat with my friends, Mental Matters Podcast. So while the gentlemen are getting ready, um, I am going to um, say welcome. And uh, I hope everyone has had a wonderful day. Hey, Bryson and Yancey from Detroit are here. Welcome. And our guests are also from Detroit. So let me add the gentlemen here and then we will get started. All right, so we are waiting for Mental Matters Podcast to join. And here they are. Yes, yes, the gentlemen are in the house. How y'all doing today? I'm good. So very well, very well. These are Oh, amazing. you're 80. Look at that. So <laughs> Yeah. So we're it's here all right. Hey, so uh, I am going to do a brief introduction of you two gentlemen, and then we will get started. So, um, Jarrell is which one of you? Hi, Jarrell. Nice to meet you. And then uh, Richard is the other gentleman. So, uh, Jarrell and Richard um, are the two geniuses behind the Mental Matters podcast. I'm going to say welcome uh, to my friends from Detroit, Jarrell Mitchell is a native Detroiter currently working as an engineer in the Detroit metro area. He attended Wayne State University. Uh, he has a Bachelor of Science in Industrial Engineering. And Jarrell is a huge advocate for empowering men in the local community. And of course, he is the co-host of the Mental Matters podcast. 
And we also have Richard. Richard is also a native Detroiter. This is his fifth year as engineer and his second year in water and wastewater systems. He has a Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering from Wayne State. Uh, all kinds of major certifications, 2014 Certified Green Belt, 2019 Certification in Lead Six Sigma, and your employer paid for that. Yes. Uh, he is currently a community advocate for the culture as well as a a proponent surviving a bout with depression at age 27 and uh, child abuse during his teenage years. So again, I want to say welcome to you both. Thank you so much for agreeing to be my guest this evening. So we are going to be uh, talking about um, Mental Matters podcast, what you guys have going on, as well as um, I'm going to allow you both uh, an opportunity to share um, your mental health journey. And I, the first question I'm going to ask is um, how the Mental Matters podcast got started. I think you should. So originally, the Mental Matters podcast got started because it was at a phase of my life where I was newly engaged. And so, me being the person that I am, I didn't want to go into something blindly. I didn't want to go into my marriage not knowing how I'm supposed to, you know, treat my wife, how I'm supposed to love on her. Um, I wanted to have, like, a foundation, if you will, going into my marriage of how have men who have been married, how have they been successful in their marriage. So, I put out a status on Facebook just saying, like, hey, it would be a great idea if I can connect with a lot of men um, from the Detroit community. Um, we all come together, um, have food, have drinks, um, and actually talk about some like the social skills of being married, as well as how do you conduct yourself as a husband? Um, how do you be that covering for your wife? So it originally started out as me just wanting to learn more about how to be a husband. And so Richard, he's my Facebook friend, and we we're friends through college. So we all study engineering. So he got on the status, and he hit me in my DMs and was like, hey, this is a great idea. We need to turn to a podcast because it can help more people than you think. So that was originally where it started from. It started as just me wanting to learn more about, you know, how to be an adult, if you will, at the same time, how to be um, a great husband. And then it transferred to being a podcast that we feel could potentially help a lot of people. That's, That's excellent. excellent. That's excellent. So you guys have been friends for for a while then. I mean, you are, you are, are years deep in your engineering engineering careers right now. Um, I know that uh, I was listening to a couple of other um, podcasts of yours, and I think one of you mentioned being Black in professional workspaces. Say more about that. <laughs> Ooh, to be young, gifted, and Black. Oh, my God. So one of the things that we never have a chance to talk about in corporate spaces is to how to maintain your identity in professional workspaces. Um, so for me, it was kind of easy because I thought of simple ways I can do it. So I think right after I started my job, I usually have like all oh, just like low cut brush waves and everything. And like a month after I started working there, I'm like, well, babe, I'm going to grow my hair out. <laughs> and I simply just started doing it. And, I knew that I was educated enough to maintain my job and learn and develop things of that nature. But I was like, I want to maintain my identity. And so from different things like that to having to quote unquote play the game, if you're a different workspace and everything, it can be very, very triggering and hard to do. 
but just understanding like who your network is within the place you work in having other people that may have had those same black experiences in workspaces and just staying true to yourself it's one of the hardest things to do but in the current age of 2020 it's very able you're very able to do it so yeah so tell me tell me more about on your website you guys mentioned defining top um redefining uh man up for the culture what does that mean to both of you redefining man up because i know um especially in the african-american community uh from a very young age and i have um three sons so i know this from a very young age um you know boys are told don't cry and pull yourself together and you know you're not um supported in expressing your emotion so can you um can one of you define uh what you mean by redefining man up properly for the culture okay yeah so my definition of that um sometimes it changes with you know where i'm at at a given time in my life but for me mostly it means that as a man um and men in our culture we have to strive from like the stigma as you pointed out is men don't boys don't cry um go away from the stigma of you know black men don't raise families we're moving from that and going towards black men are doing everything with the purpose so um for instance i had this conversation with my wife recently where she brought up that when before we got together and and we may have talked to other people um there were times where she knew friends of hers who um went out and dated other men just because they gave them attention and things like that. And one of the things that I told her was that um, when I started dating and when I started talking to people, I did it with the purpose. I didn't do it because I just wanted someone to like go to the movies with. I did it because I knew that from that would like come like a family. Um, it would mm-hmm. come from, from, from any relationship that I had, it should be something that's fruitful. So man enough from the culture just means being able to have a lot of fruit coming from anything that you touch, doing things with the purpose, doing things um, in a consistent and deliberate manner that yields a positive outcome. That's excellent. So, Do you have anything to add? I think you pretty much nailed it. Um, one of the biggest things is, and I shared, I thought we shared this recently. It was a really good graphic about it. It was just like a, like a four-way picture about, you know, men's mental health or something of that nature, the person's sinking in water and uh-huh. Uh-huh. they're, they need help. They're like trying to reach out, like, please help me. Uh-huh. And then they gave him a high five and said, man up. And it's just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> that wasn't helpful at all. You know? So uh-huh. one of the key things is that when it comes to manning up properly, people don't even know how to define it. And so when we say we want to redefine what it looks like, we literally want to say like, Hey, we're going to attempt our best effort to define what being a man really is in today's climate and society. Um, sometimes we are stereotyped in the traditional gender roles, if you will, like the man must always take out the trash, things of that nature. But it's also strongly important to realize that in the age of powerful black women, there's some parts of being a man, like you, not to say you don't have to do it anymore, but at the same time, it's like, the same things that we're used to quote unquote providing as of maybe like 10 to 20 years ago, it's not the same anymore because women can do that. 
And so how do you be a current a man in today's climate without uh-huh. reinventing the will, but also needing to reinvent the will, if you know what I'm saying. So it's a very, very delicate line to try to cross over, if you will, and teeter, but um just by trying to be our best black positive selves, just like this is how you redefine it. So that's great. And the one thing that you mentioned about, you know, the era of the strong black woman, uh, my husband and I often have I wouldn't call it a debate. We have a a healthy discussion about what that means. And what he says is um, he feels like at points women want it both ways. So they want to be, quote unquote, strong and independent. But then um, on the other hand, some still want chivalry. So it's kind of a delicate balance between um, how you work that out within a relationship. So can you, um, can either one of you tell me, um, we going a little bit back to, um, about toxic masculinity and how it played a role in your upbringing, because, um, I know, like I said, I have three, uh, sons, they're grown now, but, um, how did, uh, toxic masculinity play a role, uh, in your upbringing? Okay. Um, so for me in general, um, you know, you have your father figure, if you're fortunate enough, um, you have may potentially have uncles, if you will, cousins, things of that nature. And sometimes I'll always be like, you know, to be a man, you got to do this. To be a man, you got to do that. And, you know, you got to be the man. And the woman can't do this and there, blah, blah, blah. And you have to always be aggressive. And it's just like, I don't think you truly know what it means to do any of this. Um, and so you'll see such things as like, you may see like abusive relationships. You may see mm-hmm. um, condescending tones. You may see, um, you may see things such as like different microaggressions. Um, and so for me, I've always had this mindset of knowing or being very observant and noticing different things that I didn't think was right, more than likely wasn't right and why. So Mm -hmm. um, from a ending toxic masculinity standpoint, it was like, all right, well, there's so much different toxic behaviors that are out there um, and it can go both ways just because it's toxic and masculine doesn't mean that it's from a man's standpoint, both men and women can possess masculine traits, feminine traits. So it's understanding who you're dealing with per se and different things that are like just really just bad for you. Um, I personally experienced that when it comes to like my parents, if you will. And like her, like in this case, my mother, she really had a lot going on when it came to alcohol and drugs. And so a lot of it would be like, well, I'm your mother. You can't treat me that way. It wasn't until I probably even turned 30 i was just like you know what i can block you (laughs) and it's okay i don't have to deal with this toxic Mm -hmm. environment and Mm -hmm. i will say now that i've learned how to like navigate that relationship i think i'm a better person to this day so um how did you get those skills to navigate that relationship what's that how did you how did you obtain the skills to navigate that relationship cool child um (laughs) 
One of the key ways is that in twenty late twenty eighteen, early twenty nineteen, I started seeking out like advice, if you will, from people I knew in the mental mental health profession. Um, I re- mm-hmm. came across a person that is actually a mental health nurse, um, by the name of Nurse Rose. Shout out to her. And we were talking about some content for the podcast one day, and I ran a situ a hypothetical situation by her about like dealing with toxic parents. And she mentioned, like, she had to deal with something like that, too. One of the things that she did was she didn't allow people access. Um, uh. she, one, blocked them. Like, literally, you can block them on your cell phone. And then, two, the other thing was, if you feel the need to absolutely talk to this person, give them a time limit. So, for me, I say once every two weeks, I allow the phone to, I actually answer the phone with my mother. And I'll mm-hmm. check in, make sure she knows how she's doing, things of that nature. And then at the end of the day, you know, when she starts, you know, if she's still drunk or something of that nature, I'm like, oh, well, this conversation's over. Uh, love you, bye. And <laughs> I don't have remorse about it because, again, I've dealt with that type of relationship for the last 15 years. And so to finally be able to have that control, it seems minute and sometimes it seems extreme, but it's work wonders. And I'm just like, all right. That was a major key I learned in even 2019. So that's excellent. Um, can you tell me how um, just dealing with that kind of relationship has affected your uh, mental health? Of course, you've made some great strides in setting boundaries, um, but how has that relationship over the past years um, affected you? Um, I'm not gonna say it's all good now per se. Um, in fact, one of my goals this year is to uh, actually seek out and find a therapist to talk about this with. Um, but more or less, like I said, one of the biggest things is just having a team of people around you that will listen. Um, one of the biggest things we always think is like, just because you're going through something, you need to talk to a professional immediately, blah, blah, blah. But one of the first things is you need a friend or somebody that's willing to listen. So whether it be my significant other, whether it be some close friends of mine, um, there are times where I'm able to get this guy on the phone and, um, <laughs> you know, just talk like, hey, bro, like, this is legit what I'm feeling right now. And he'll be like, he'll literally just listen. Like, he will definitely have sound advice, but sometimes just like, like, dang, that's crazy. You know, and then um, mm-hmm. we'll kind of gauge the conversation from there and it all works out from there, so. So I am going to assume that um, that he is part of your, what did you call it? I think you call it, called it the, hold on, because I have notes. It's called the Brotherhood Circle. Um, yeah. Tell me about the Brotherhood Circle. Since he's, he's the one that's in the circle for you, I want him to say something. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me about the Brotherhood Circle. What is the Brotherhood Circle, and how does a brother obtain one? <laughs> I think the Brotherhood Circle is something that um, is there to, like, hold one another accountable to what we said we were going to do, but at the same time be there for each other emotionally so that, um, so, like, in our community, you know, we always have the stigma of, you know, you don't talk about certain things, um, mm-hmm. keep all this business inside the house. Nobody outside the house knows about this. So essentially, mm-hmm. like, the, the Brotherhood Circle is there to share that burden or to share that load because 
we never wanted to get to a point where like his back has to break if both of us are carried at the same time then that love that alleviates like all the pain that's due to his back if you will so the brotherhood circle is there to help each other emotionally um is there for us to have fun with one another he and i are both married so being married men it's good to hang out with other married men because it keeps mm-hmm. you out of like that trouble that could possibly occur. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that go into the brotherhood circle. Um, but I feel like it's mostly there to help like alleviate any stress, alleviate any pain, um, to share the burden and to just be there to just have like a listening ear. That's great. What um, advice would you give a single mother with a teenage boy or, um, you know, a young boy uh, growing up in the metro Detroit area that needs a little guidance. What kind of what kind of advice would you give her? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I'm sharing the burden is my arm hurt. But no, um, so I'm fortunate enough to have a sister and a nephew, if you will. Um, and by the grace of God, she's able to raise her son, even being recently divorced and everything. Um, piece of advice that I would give to a single mother that's raising a young man in the metro Detroit area, um, one of the key pieces of advice is that if they're just keep the lines of communication open. Um, mm-hmm. My nephew, he is nine years old, and he is very, very... He's never really been, like, physically disciplined like that. And mm-hmm. he's encouraged to have a lot of open dialogue about what's going on, what he feels, um, different ways he may think, this and the third. It's really encouraged and, like, kind of, like, nourish that environment of, like, or nurture that environment of allowing them to speak their mind. Um, one of the issues, again, in our society is as black men, we don't speak our mind, and it tanks us over time. We feel like one month we can't speak our time, and five months we can't speak our mind, and then over the next 10 years, you got this person that's been keeping all this stuff in. It's really a dangerous place to be. So for them just to make sure that they encourage open dialogue with their young ones, Letting them know, like, hey, it's okay to say how you feel about situations. Um, you don't have to hide yourself from certain people just because you feel weak, if you will, for feeling a certain way. Like, encourage that dialogue. So, that's how I would do. Okay. What about, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, for me, um, I know one of the things for me when I was a teenager. Um, it was always good for me to be around like other youth and doing Mm -hmm. things that were like positive. So whether it be us like donating time to a soup kitchen, um, me like singing in the church choir, like foster being in a community or being like in a a network or some type of club that like fosters like creativity. That was something that kept me out of like trouble, but also allowed me to like grow into myself as a young man. So, like, when I was in high school, um, I had, like, a lot of doubt in myself. Sometimes I didn't actually think, like, I would have, like, thoughts in my head of, like, where I want to be in life, but I didn't necessarily know how to bridge that gap from where I am now to where I wanted to be. 
So being around like youth that were like positive, being around youth that um were like further ahead, like developed in me, maybe a little bit older, and they could like give me um like tips and things to look out for as I matured. Like that was one of the things that helped me grow into being an adult that I am today. So I would say find like a club or, or a community, some type of um, club that allows them to like foster their creativity. So can can either of you tell me um, tell me what uh, the biggest lesson that each of you have learned uh, in the last year as it relates to um, your self-care as a man? I know that with the responsibility of, um, you know, having a wife and being uh, young because you both are a little bit younger than me, um, but what what does uh what do you guys do to care for yourselves because i understand um that it's pressure financial pressure number one just to make sure that things are handled and because you guys are responsible men you understand that that responsibility is yours to care for your family how do you manage that pressure and maintain your own mental health <laughs> so for me, um, one of the things that my wife and I do is we, on a quarterly basis, we go and we get couples massages. That's one of the activities that we do um, to just have like a stress-free day or self-care weekend. Um, I've recently started taking more advantage of, of using like my days off for work and just spending time mm-hmm. like around the house. Before, mm-hmm. I, before, like, like I've been in my career for probably around four years now. And so before, I just wanted to have, like, that good image of always being on time, always being at work, always being dependable. But more recently, mm-hmm. since, you know, I've been married for going on um, three years now, um, in eight months, it'll be three years. So I've, I've been trying to make it an effort to spend more time um, at home on my off days or taking time just to, like, be with my wife. Like, that's, like, my... I guess you could say, like, my oasis that I run to is, like, just being with her, mm-hmm. spending time with her. Even if we have nothing planned, just, like, sitting on the couch with each other, that's what eases me and makes me sane and keeps me, like, on my regular, like, regimen of being a normal person, if you will. Um, I definitely try to do things with my wife. One of the things that I've learned is, and because I respect boundaries and everything, I do my best to maintain an activity that I can do by myself. So, and I was just telling you this, like maybe like less than an hour ago. I love bowling. Like there is not a single care in the world that exists when I have my bowling ball, my shoes, and I get to just throw it at 10 inanimate objects at the other end of the lane. It's beautiful. I love it. (laughs) But... Through, like, my great-grandfather, I've learned that that activity is something that calms me and soothes me. And if I just zone in, sometimes I can go bowling with people, and I won't even notice that they're there because... You're in the zone. Yeah, that's it. So, I, we went bowling, what was that, right after Christmas, I think? And my sister was just like, you can't beat me, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't realize until I looked at the score that I was in like the 200 somewhere. And she was just like, I hate bowling with you. But it was just like, <laughs> hey, man, I need this. 
So, um, no, just pick activity that you like to do for you, not that your significant other likes to do, not that your family likes to do. Do something that you like to do. If they just happen to be there, cool. <laughs> but, you know, pick something that you can do by yourself that you wouldn't mind doing by yourself. That's great. So can can either of you tell me, um, tell me, and I'm kind of going back to, um, you know, you're doing something for yourself uh, that helps you to de-stress. That's very important uh, for your mental health. For that same thing, how do you decompress after a, a long day of being African-American at work? Because that's a different kind of pressure and a different kind of stress. So can you can either of you share um, share about that? Yeah, so for me, when they say that a dog is truly a man's best friend, they mean it. And I did not know what that meant because there's no one that understands you or just wants to be around you the most as your pet does. So for me, I'm fortunate enough to have three dogs. Um, they are like my own children, if you will. So literally, I have a chair in my house. When I come home, I just sit there, let the dogs out them do your thing and then I sit in my chair for like a good like 15 to 30 minutes where my wife may be asking me to do stuff if she's listening right now know that I have parked that idea right here in the side of my head I'm gonna get to it but I need this 30 minutes to just do mm-hmm. nothing and mm-hmm. for me you know my dog will like literally climb I'm used to him being right here he's just not here with me but he'll climb right here and just sit there he's like a Yorkie so it's fine but um yeah, just will enjoy like the first thirty minutes of being at home, just around them. Usually they'll start fighting, it and I'm like, all right, well that's over. And then um, it's mm-hmm. it's to the ground of being at home and getting everything situated for the day. So um, I enjoy my dogs. So that's great. Nobody loves you more than your dog. Well, your wife does, but that's another story. <laughs> so for me, I actually uh, work. Um, for a little over two years in an environment where um, like we weren't, it wasn't such, it wasn't a diverse environment. I'll say it that way. Um, mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. being in that environment, it was very stressful because I always felt that I had to, you know, you had to coast, which essentially you weren't allowed to be who you are for the culture. It's like you were forced to be like a robot, if you will. Um, so now I no longer work in that place. I work in a place where we're more equally represented. And um, even like some of my leaders who I report to, um, they are um, black Americans. So that allows for me to have more confidence in the work that I do. And it also allows for me to know that um, if I come to them with something that's an issue, I, I feel like I won't be judged for it. Whereas in the other environment that I worked at, I felt like I'll be looked at like, oh, you just, you know, you lazy or you're not smart or something of that nature. Um, so currently, like, I don't feel like that type of stress anymore when I, when I leave work. Um, and you can even, like, ask my wife. Like, when I worked in the other lo- location that I worked at, I would come home. I wouldn't want to talk. Like, give me my 30 minutes to wind down. Let me change clothes. Let me take a shower. Let me get work off of me. Um, now I come in the house, and I'm just, like, ready to talk. Like, we can go. Like, what do you want to do tonight? Uh, what are we doing on TV? Like all those type of things. So 
Um, I can definitely see the difference in myself um, being in a stress-free work environment. Um, it'll, it'll allow for like my relationships with like everything, um, my wife, my relationship um, with the podcast and Richard. Um, he'll probably tell you I respond to text messages more because I actually don't mind being bothered after work now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I can definitely see the difference in myself um, being from one environment to the other. It is a big difference. That's great. I heard on the other podcast that you didn't even mind that there were only two cashiers at Walmart. You know, you were under, uh, you had a stress-free day if you don't care about the line at Walmart. Yep, I, I was, that was, that's a true story. I went to Walmart, I think it was around Thanksgiving time too, so it was very, very hectic. <laughs> it looks like you're 